This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 8, Episode 12. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. Today is Wednesday, May 3rd. I almost said April. <clears throat> yeah, we're in May now. Can you believe it? The year's going to be half over before we know it. Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023, as of the recording of this episode. And I am your host, Riley Bowman. I'm joined today by Matthew Marister. Hello. Hello. What's going on, man? Oh, well, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> a beautiful day. Um, just uh, doing the thing, man. We've got the podcast here, bringing it to you a little bit early on this fine Wednesday. Uh, so I got to hit the road a little bit later for some uh, some training uh, in Tennessee that I'm uh, putting on. So looking forward to that. We'll see. Hopefully some of you, uh, it's actually in between Memphis and Nashville. I don't know what it's actually close to because when I'm looking at it on the map, it's like this little town called Enville, Tennessee. There's there's nothing around it. So I anticipate being very remote for a number of days. <laughs> <laughs> I also anticipate being very wet. So the forecast does not look super awesome. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I believe it. We will see how that goes. But hey, guys, we're black. Can't get the words out of my mouth. We're glad to be with you. Today, we are talking about the power of index points on the gun. That's the title of today's episode. Uh, looking forward to sharing that with you. It's actually the featured content or idea that I shared in the most recent Shooter Ready Challenge video that you can find at ShooterReadyChallenge.com. We have a number of sponsors of Shooter Ready Challenge, which I will mention here in a little bit. But we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Uh, let's talk about the power of index points on the gun. Uh, I'd like to kind of as we often do when we're doing these shooter ready challenge inspired episodes, Matthew, I like to kind of hear your own take, if you will, as like a, you watch the video. Uh, what did you think? What, what is your thoughts on today's topic? Yeah. So I, I I'll, I'll allow the, you to flesh out the finer points, but I'll, I'll kind of set it up like this and, and say, what's the, what's the point of, of, or the importance of index points. And then I'll let you kind of flesh that out. Um, I think generally, like if I'm sitting here and I'm, you know, this is the first time I've heard of index points on a firearm. Um, why this matters is, you know, during uh, the presentation, uh, the, the draw, the presentation of the firearm, we're trying to be efficient with our movements and efficiency kind of can translate into um, a couple of different things. One, it can make our draw quicker, um, allow us to, you know, uh, perceive the sights or pick up the sights and settle the sights um, quicker, uh, acquire the sights, right? And um, and also it can make us a little, it can make us more accurate um, in that because we're, we're um, potentially um, not taking shots that we shouldn't. The, the sites are appearing where, where we expect them to appear. And so we can be a little bit more accurate or consistent in, in, in accuracy. 
Um, and so th- the index points start from the draw. Uh, and it, it, it involves how your hand interacts with the gun and trying to make that um, consistent and repeatable throughout the draw so that as you present the gun, again, um, it's it's more efficient. You're not having to make micro corrections or major corrections, depending on how you know off your, your grip is. And, um, and you can do things repeatably. Um, and so that's kind of the importance of it. And, you know, it really starts to, I think, matter, not if your draw to first shot is four seconds, right? It starts to matter when you start getting down to, you know, two seconds and trying to drop it down to a second and a half or from a second and a half down to one. Like all these little tweaks begin to start adding up uh, in, in when you start applying this at, you know, at speed or under stress um, or, or um that type of application. If you're just drawn out, you know, out of the holster and you got all the time in the world and you're just, uh, you know, yes, it can, it, it, that's, this is how we start to build those habits, but you're not really going to, you might not see the difference of, Hey, if I grip it like this, and then as I present the gun, I have 30 seconds to kind of monkey around with it in my hand and adjust it. You're probably not going to see uh, the importance of this until you start getting under speed or under time. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, man, I I think you, I think you introduced it very nicely, actually. Uh, so yeah the the idea here is is that if we're gonna get the gun on target, well, first of all, if we're gonna shoot the gun consistently, we need to have a consistent grip. We need to have because it's all about that interface between our hands and the gun, and how consistent that is. Uh, that also means getting the gun on the target consistently, meaning pointing the gun consistently. And a lot of people tend to focus, uh, in my experience, Matthew, like when you're talking about like how a gun points or indexes or that kind of thing, <clears throat> like indexes on the target, that is not, uh, we're, we're going to approach this a little bit differently by talking about index points on the gun or contact points on the gun. But a lot of times when people talk about how a gun points, uh, they tend to have this idea that it's a feature of the gun and 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 how it like mates with your biomechanics let's say so like you know this gun because it has a grip angle of you know 15 degrees compared to this gun that has a grip angle of 21 degrees are going to point differently for you um i believe that to be wholly and completely like false um, I believe that we learn how a gun points and yes, what that means is if you grew up, uh, shooting 1911s or guns that are shaped or, or angled like a 1911, and that's what can, cons- where, what most of your, you know, let's say in your lifetime, you fired 10,000 rounds through a pistol, <clears throat> maybe 20, maybe 50, uh, maybe more. <clears throat> But let's say you fired however many rounds in your life through a particular gun, and then you switch over to a Glock. Yeah, it's going to be a bit different. It's going to feel different. It's going to point different. Um, But you can absolutely reprogram how that gun points in your hands, I believe. Um, Or if you spent your your whole life, you know, shooting a Ruger Mark II, which has a fairly steep uh, grip angle. 
then things with a more square grip angle are going to point differently. But what's weird <clears throat> is that I spent most of my younger years shooting guns with more of a 1911 type grip angle. And then a number of years ago, I switched over to Glocks. And I remember that it was it was different at the time. But I spent years shooting Glocks. And then I switched over to shooting more uh, six hours, like, uh, you know, P320, for instance, or the P365 now. And now I can switch interchangeably between those uh, with almost zero loss of, you know, performance. I mean, perhaps some, I you know, I mean, one of the reasons why I switched to, to the 320 was because it just consistently performs a little bit better. And we're talking small margins here, but but consistently noticeable improvements for that particular gun for whatever reason. It might not even be because of its ergonomics or whatever. Um, it could be about other things, how that gun is designed and how it is um, inherently tuned, if you will, compared to the Glocks that I had or have, still have, I guess. <clears throat> but um, anyway, the point here is 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 to, you know, we want to get consistent performance with the gun. We want to get, we want to be able to shoot consistently. We want to be able to present the gun to the target consistently. We want to be able to draw the gun consistently. And I'm going to steer us away from the, the, you know, the distraction, I guess, that is the physical component of the actual gun as far as, you know, how much of a role the actual gun plays into or factors into this part of the equation, because I think it's actually largely irrelevant uh, because, you know, ultimately what we're looking for is a good deal of practice. Like we all should be practicing with our firearms, both live fire and dry. And if you're practicing, regardless of the gun you use, as long as, you know, it fits you, reasonably well and uh, you can reach the controls and the trigger and things like that um so you know putting that caveat aside um as long as you're practicing with whatever gun like it's not you know the gun itself is not going to particularly matter you'll you'll learn to get the job done uh with that with whatever gun you have so <clears throat> anyway let's talk about why having consistent contact points on the gun and by that we're going to refer to those as index points so where my hand or fingers or whatever indexes on the gun and what that can do for us why that's so important so i'm going to start by talking about the draw because that's where it all begins and to give you all to give you all an idea of what this looks like, like the, the level of detail that we can go into and should go into. And this is something for you to try and experiment and discover for yourself <clears throat> is let me describe, like if I was to reach down right now, you know, like I'm carrying a, a pistol today. Okay. It's in the appendix position. It's a little bit different than when I'm like in the video, I think in the shooter rate challenge video, I'm doing a, um, well, maybe I did it's appendix. It was appendix. That's right. I was thinking. Yep. I was thinking of maybe the previous month where I was doing uh, my competition holster. But yeah. So, but it's true. Like when I'm drawing from my competition holster with my competition gun, some of these things change 
uh, slightly because of obviously the different equipment, different placement of equipment, different uh, spacing of the gun, you know, uh, out from the body as opposed to right next to my body in the case of appendix carry, uh, different angles and things of that nature. But if I'm to reach down and start drawing my pistol, it's on me right now and I'm not going to draw it out because obviously it's, you know, live and loaded and everything. But, but the first things that are going to make contact and it's really good to, you know, just do this for yourself and, and, you know, of course be safe, right? All things in safety, but just reach down and start like not, not grip, but just start to grip your gun and pay close attention to what are the first things that your hands and where on your hands touch what things on the gun. So for me, the heel of my palm, particularly on the outside portion, so outside of my hand, meaning away from my thumb, and close to the wrist, you know, fairly close to the wrist, but the the outside heel of my palm starts to contact the grip, and then also the inside left portion of the web of my hand, and then the inside portion of my thumb. I feel those areas make contact with the beaver tail and along the back corner of the slide, like near the, the back plate. And so almost simultaneously, the heel of my hand and then this portion of my th- my thumb and the web of hand makes those, those contact points. And I feel that. And that's before my fingers get right. Now, they're, they're close behind, but they're not the first thing that makes contact. But almost, you know, if I'm doing this at speed, it looks like it all happens all at the same time, you know, simultaneously. Um, but then the next thing is that my fingers start to wrap around the grip, right? And then I feel things like the trigger guard against the knuckle of my middle finger and, and things like that, right? But the first things, that heel hand and thumb and web of hand and where it, those are contacting on the beaver tail and the back corner of the slide and things of that nature. And I feel that. And you want to memorize that sensation, what that feels like, what those locations are, because I can tell immediately when I go to draw, if something's a little bit off and you want to know instantaneously, because then you can make a correction. You know, the sooner you realize that your hand's not quite right on the grip, the sooner you can make a correction. The sooner you make a correction, well, you know, it just leads to a faster and faster draw. So that's what I'm talking about. Like great, a great deal of, or a deep level of detail of what these index points are, these contact points between your hands and the gun, and then memorizing what those feel like so that you can duplicate that grip every time because you want to grip the gun the same way every time. Um, I know that a lot of more entry-level type, you know, skilled shooters, uh, one of the reasons why there's inconsistencies in their ability to perform with a gun is that, you know, every time they draw and then point to the target, it's going to be, you know, the, particularly if you're just talking about it in terms of like front and rear sight relationship, you know, one time you, you go out to the target and that sight's going to be over here. And the next time it's over here, and the next time it's like this, and the next time it's like that. And so it's, you know, a little bit different every time. 
and I'm not saying I'm perfect, you know, that I don't have these slight imperfections in how my gun presents the target. But by and large, you know, most of the time, it's right there. And if a slight correction is needed, it's a much smaller amount of deviation uh, than than what a newer shooter has, right? And that's because of that consistency of grip, which begins right from the draw. Mm-hmm. Super important to nail that. Yeah, and, and if if I'll just reiterate what you said in case somebody missed it, like we all understand grip is important. How our hands interact with the gun is important. How how we grip the gun matters on, you know, uh, a, a lot in how we sh- how we shoot the gun, and that starts from the draw. And so, I understand. I think a a, pro- a difficulty is is a lot of people. Are, might go to a range where you can't you can't shoot from the draw, mm-hmm. right? Like they won't allow you to go straight from the draw and shoot. So what ends up happening is you practice the grip and 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 in all that part, but the draw is kind of like a like a, a separate something separate that you don't practice. And this is where um, ideally you'd love to be able to do this on live fire, right? Like, but if you can't in worst case scenario, you can't, um, this is why dry fire in, in things like, um, using LSR, LASR and, and, um, you know, a, a laser, uh, training pistol or a, your, your gun with a laser cartridge is so important because now you can start building that grip from the draw and it, it it, it really is so important, so critical, because it, it, if you don't do that, um, you're almost inevitably going to grip the gun differently every single time. And um, and like you said, that's it's it's not ideal. It's not efficient. And it just sets you up for inconsistencies down the road. And um, you're only going to reach a certain plateau of of performance if every time you grip the gun, you're gripping it a little bit different, you, you, it's just going to limit your ability. Right. But, you know, here's, here's what's, what's cool about this sort of thing. Even if you, if your range where you do your live fire practice doesn't permit for you to draw from the holster, you, know, you can duplicate this without having to do it from a holster. So, um, you, you know, you get your gun out, right? Get it on the table, get it loaded up. But then when you're picking the pistol up, you know, for the first time at the range and, and putting it in your hand and gripping it, pay attention to those same things. Like you should figure this out in dry fire. Everything I talked about should be figured out and done in dry fire. Because that's where, number one, it's easiest to get a whole bunch of reps. Number two, it's safer to do those reps. Number three, you can do it whenever. So convenience is a huge factor, right? So you're more likely to practice. Um, It's really super easy to do and set up. And so you should have this all figured out before you go to the range. And then when you're at the range, duplicate it, right? And then do your shooting practice from a low ready or whatever position, you know, that you want to, or that you're able to do so based on that, that particular range of rules. And, but just, but you want to reinforce in your live fire practice, what you practiced in dry fire, even if you can't draw from the holster. Yeah. Yeah. And actually part of, um, I, I'm not, I hope I'm not getting out of order here, but you, you actually, 
if you're having difficulty setting up like, hey, where, because everybody's index or contact points might be just a little bit different depending on, you know, uh, your, your gun and, and, and what, what you have going on. But if you're having difficulty, like where do I start to interact with the gun for my draw, a good starting place is to kind of work backwards. So, you know, establish that good grip um, aimed in on, on the target, you know, um, and then work backwards, work backwards slowly, uh, step by step going back into the holster. And then by going backwards, you can kind of set and say, okay, this is how a good grip, how I end up with a good grip. Now, if I go backwards into the holster, this is my starting point to achieve that good grip. So I think, you know, both ways, um, you know, you, you can work this both ways to try to figure out what, what works for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, of course we want to, um, identify what the proper grip is for us on target because that ultimately is what matters and then figure out how we get there from the holster. Yeah. 100%. Totally. So, um, you know, in the episode description, I mentioned that this idea of, you know, learning index points on the gun is also safer. And I actually want to touch on that a little bit right now in this uh, next section. But before we do, I want to mention that today's episode is sponsored by LASR, Laser Activated Shot Reporter System. That's LASRAPP.com. You can uh, go to their site there, laserapp.com. Check out their LaserX software, which is the version I use and prefer. And in fact, that's what I use in the Shooter Ray Challenge each month. It's a fantastic update to their software. I say update, I mean, it's been a thing now for several years. Uh, but you know, when they first came out, it was the Laser Classic Edition. And it was only available on Windows-based PCs. And I actually bought and had a Windows laptop for a number of years just so I could use the laser software, uh, which is kind of silly because not a lot of people are willing to do that. I mean, I, I guess most people probably have Windows uh, laptops or computers, but uh, I use I use Macs these days, Apples. Um, but I had a Windows laptop just so I could use Laser Classic. But Laser X works with any internet-connected device using a web browser. You log right in, and you go into the into their software on the on their web page, and it works beautifully and it's super easy to use. I could do it anywhere, including with my mobile device, with my phone, with my, my tablets, with my laptops, computers. It doesn't really matter as long as I have a webcam and internet connection and a web browser. I can be up and running LaserX in a few minutes' time and doing effective dry fire practice. So thank you to laserapp.com uh, for their support of not only the podcast, but also the Shooter Raid Challenge, uh, which... We've been doing it for a few years now, and, and people seem to like it. So, appreciate it very much. All right. So, um, safety index points, and what I was meaning there is, is that, uh, and I hope I don't make the you know the internet's mad as far as f- Facebook and YouTube and whatnot. Um, but this is not a firearm, and I'm just going to use this just briefly. But what I have here is just this lower uh, frame, if you will, of a gun, and I'm just talking about the trigger finger and where and where it's placed. Okay, so index points on the gun, more safe. We definitely want to be safe. 
And one of those key index points is where this index finger should be placed on the gun when we're not shooting it. So what are your thoughts on that, Matthew? Yeah, and and here's the thing, like, there's, by following the rule of keeping your finger outside the trigger guard until you're ready to fire, right? Uh, On target, ready to fire, however, whatever version you use of that, um, leaves a little bit of interpretation, a gray area where, like, you can rest the finger along the trigger guard and, you know, you're almost touching the trigger, but it's resting... Yes, by the spirit of the law or by spirit of the rule, you're not inside the trigger guard. Um, however, um, the best place to index the the your index finger to make contact or index the gun is 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 along the slide. Um, you know, straight along the slide up. Um, some people have you know have a little bend to it or however, but that's that's the ideal spot um and not only is it safer but if you if you are on a range or anything like that it's it's easier for the the instructor the range officer to make to see down the right down the line and make sure that your finger isn't in there and yes you're not violating the rule because your finger is on the trigger but um straight along the slide uh, or where the slide meets the frame, wherever your fingers, I got small fingers and depending on your gun and the size of your fingers might index a, a little bit different point, but typically it's either on the slide or maybe where the slide meets the the receiver, the, the frame uh, somewhere right there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the ideal spot. Right. Right. I mean, the key here is, is that well, we're not on target. We're not shooting the target. Uh, we have our fingers out of the trigger guard, certainly off the trigger. Uh, and, uh, you know, actually, I like how Jeff Gonzalez describes this. Jeff Gonzalez being a retired Navy SEAL. Uh, train. He's the, you know, well, the founder and trainer, primary trainer, instructor at uh, Trident Concepts. And I loved the first time I heard him describe it as having a home position for the trigger finger. And what that home position is, is what it, you know, wherever you decide is that location that complies with rule three, as is often taught in firearm safety rules, meaning that you're not on target, you're not making, you're not deciding to shoot. And so your finger is out of the trigger guard and on the frame or on the slide or whatever of the gun. And you decide <clears throat> where that is and make that your so-called home position. And it's great if you can use some kind of index point, uh, particularly something that you can very readily uh, feel and recognize uh, via, you know, tactile feedback. So, you know, like a Glock is a great example because they have that little depression where the takedown, um, you know, it's not really a lever, but you know what I mean? The It's actually technically, I think the, the Glock armor term is the slide lock. Yeah, slide lock, because that's actually, you pull that down and that unlocks the slide from the pistol, and that's what allows it to come off after you press the trigger, of course. Um, And so that little depression is a great index point. Uh, It could be the seam, if you will, or the line between the slide and frame. Uh, 
you could you can kind of feel that on your finger. It could be, you know, some guns have actually a specific texture that is molded into the frame or something that you could use as that reference point. That would be fine. You could use something on the slide itself. You can, in fact, I know some people actually will in, you know, put their trigger finger all the way up kind of on the ejection port of the gun, and you'd be able to feel that as well. Regardless, whatever you decide that location is, your home position, that is its own index point on the gun that tells you without you having to look at it, my finger is where it should be right now, you know, assuming you're not on target and ready to shoot. Right. And so it's a very good thing to identify and recognize and train into your brain. <laughs> that, there you go. I like that. That's a great rhyme. Train into your brain <laughs> where this index point is and learn it so that you can be even more safe as a, with respect to following that rule three. So that's just a thought there. So not only can uh, consistent contact points or index points on the gun help you shoot better, but can also help you be safer too. And that's, that's important as well. So yeah. let's talk about another kind of key index point um, that uh, is, I think, overlooked quite a bit by a lot of shooters. And what that is, is we have, you know, we've talked a bit about the primary hand, the firing hand, and it's going to go on the gun. Uh, talked about, you know, kind of some of the key points that I recognize as indexes and I can feel immediately when those aren't quite right. But what about when we get the support hand involved and what does that look like? So I'm going to just throw out there and I'll turn it over to you, Matthew, that for me, I really, t- I, li- I like the Mike Seeklander approach, uh, you know, famous instructor, uh, shooter, uh, IDPA world champion. Uh, all around great guy, and he's published a number of books, and he's a great, great instructor. Um, he references what he calls the Judy Chop, which is basically this reverse karate chop. So my support hand, imagine this, is in this, you know, almost like a knife hand, right? Um, but thumb extended, and so my hand's flat, just like I'm going to give somebody a high five. But then I'm going to bring that in. So imagine my primary hand's already on the gun, gun's already drawn. I'm going. I'm, I'm starting to orient towards target with the gun and my support hand is going to come in and under, well, Mike talks about basically indexing. So we're going to aim for that knuckle, if you will, or just to the side of the knuckle, depending on where it needs to be for you. Each of us is going to be a little bit different, big hands, small hands, different shapes of guns, etc. For me, it's just to the, as I'm looking at my hand, it's just to the left side of the, you know, the big knuckle um, in my finger, not on the hand, but right there, that, that, uh, right there, that's going to come in under the trigger guard. I feel it also press against the corresponding knuckle on my middle finger of my primary hand. And so that's where that index point is going to happen. Okay. And so you want that support hand to also start learning and developing these index points on the gun. So the support hand gets on the gun consistently. And similarly too, that if I come in with a support hand and I just told you that for me, it's just to the left of this knuckle. If I come in and I hit that trigger guard right on the knuckle, instantly I know I'm not quite in the right place. Or if I come in too close to the big knuckle of the, of the hand, 
then same thing. I know I'm, I'm, I'm not in quite the right place. And so we can also make those hopefully quick, you know, very quick adjustments. If I come in, I'm not quite right. Well, I can slide the hand to where it needs to be as I'm finishing the grip, but it tells me immediately because I've learned that index point, whether I'm on target or not with getting the support hand on the gun in the right place. Yeah. And, and as you interact, is that support hand makes the first contact with the gun, the, the, the trigger guard and, and your, 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 um, uh, primary hand, then that sets up how you, that hand is going to further interact as it completes the grip. So though, if it indexes correctly, then your fingertips lock into the knuckles on, on the, uh, or in between the fingers of your, your primary hand. And then mm-hmm. as that, that, that hand kind of starts to establish the grip more and kind of rotate into place, then your palm is going to hit the right portion of the grip and it lock into that, that, that portion of the grip that's exposed. And so it's kind of similar to that first index point of when you start your draw with, you know, hitting the the back of the slide and, and you know, um, in, in the beaver tail, getting that initial kind of contact uh, because that kind of sets up everything down the road. So that first index point, I think is it, like you, you described is, is an important one to, to practice hitting each and every time. And, yeah. and you see, you see the importance of it, especially um, because, you know, the way that the, the primary hand we, we, you know, we think is like the dominant hand or the, the, the controlling hand, but it really like, it needs that counter um, because we can oversteer the gun if, if the, the support hand isn't interacting and gripping correctly. And, and so it really does, um, play a huge factor, maybe more than, than what we, than what somebody might think, you know, oh, it's just my support hand, you know, it's really, uh, you know, it's 70, 40 or whatever, you know, people think like, no, it, it, it's, it's a hundred percent each hand. Like that's kind of how I yeah. look at it. It's not like a percentage of this versus that it's, it's a hundred percent of both. You need, like, if you want to be consistent down to the most efficient, the most repetitive, repeatable, everything, like it's gotta be, everything's gotta be, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders, both hands. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's exactly how I approach it and think of it. Um, the the support hand, it, it, I mean, it's actually it's almost more important. Well, let me back up. The primary hand getting on the gun is really, really important with respect to how the gun is ultimately going to point for you. So meaning that, and let me, let me define that a little bit more if it's not clear for some people. So if you just grab an object and you go to point it, you know, at a, a target, we'll just call it. Okay. It doesn't have to be an actual target you're going to shoot, but just as a, as a visual exercise, you know, I could, you know, I could grab a, a pen, if you will, and just go to, you know, try to point it at a, at a light switch on my wall or something. Right. But just, just. If you just grab an object and point at something, uh, how that ultimately points without you having to like consciously guide it, if you will, um, is what we could refer to as like an index um, 
uh, of its own. I know that I don't want to confuse people. It's just a common term that's used uh, amongst some shooters in the industry. But like, um, if I make corrections, like if I if I consciously steer the object in the context of a gun, steer the gun. You know, if I get it up and I'm like, oh, my sights aren't where they need to be, and I make corrections, well. Then I'm 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 at that point. I'm making those corrections. I'm no longer just pointing the gun and relying on a so-called index. Um, and so, if you think about how, let me. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit uh, off the rails here. We'll get it back on track. My primary hand is ultimately what's going to strongly influence where that gun is going to be pointed relative to my hand. Okay. If, if I grip it a certain way, generally consistently, but then the next time I grab it, the gun is slightly rotated in my hand. You know, like let's say it's rotated towards the left. Well, then it's going to point left, you know, and I can get up on target and go, Oh, uh, I'm a little bit left and I can make that correction. Right. But clearly it was indexed left. If the gun is rotated to the right, well, it's going to point right and things of that nature. And so primary hand consistency on the grip is super important as relates to where it points at the, at the target ultimately, whether it's there or not. Okay. So that's why, why that's super important, but the support hand is super, super important because it does the bulk of the work, uh, in terms of recoil management and control. And so if the support hand is engaged the way it needs to be, then our shooting will likely suffer because we don't have that support hand engagement like we need to. And by that, I mean, if our support hand is, you know, if it is slid forward in terms of like the heel, the hand is more forward on the grip than, you know, where it normally would be. Well, then I'm not going to have as much control. If I have a gap between my support hand and my primary hand, well, I'm going to have some recoil management issues, um, things of that nature, right? If the gun or if the support hand is too low on the gun, then I'm just not maximizing contact and I'm, you know, more contact on the gun equals more uh, friction, which equals more resistance, which equals, you know, the gun recoils or moves less in the hands. And so the support hand is super important as it relates to the actual control of the gun. So that's probably the way to think about it. And that's what I was trying to explain earlier and I got lost in, in my thoughts is that the primary hand has a lot to do with where the gun points the support hand has a lot to do with your ability to control. And if your support hand is not getting on the gun where it needs to be for you to have maximum control, then you, you're not, you obviously you're not going to have the control you need. That's why consistency of the support hand index is super, super, super important. That's why we talk about this. And so you want to the same way and you can, again, start on target with the grip that you've just determined that works best for you and work your way backwards and go and start analyzing that. Okay. Where is my support hand now at this point that my, that I start breaking my grip. You want to actually look at that moment just before your support hand is going to come off the gun. Cause then that's where it's going to want to come back on. Right. And you want to figure that out and memorize it and burn it in because that's your, your index, wherever it is that you make the first contact of support hand to gun, you got to figure that out if you're going to be consistent with it. Yeah. And, and um, I would say if you're wondering, you know, how you can, how can you, um, well, you can see an ineffective 
grip um, in, in a couple of different ways. But as, uh, definitely, if you run something like a build drill, that will expose you know uh, poor grip, poor recoil management, and you know sometimes uh, it, it. I mean, it, it can be a number of things, but a lot of times, you know, I, I think when we run these drills, it 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 the drill is designed to expose, you know, or it can expose different mechanical deficiencies or deficiencies in, in the me- mechanics of our grip or, or whatever we're testing. And, and so, um, if you, if you start to, if you've been running build drills and things like that, and you, you know, you start off good and it just kind of starts to expand and expand as you shoot more rounds or something like that, or you do a magazine change and then you're, you know, you go to establish that grip again and then everything goes haywire. Um, it could be something about, you know, how is your, your support hand getting back on the gun? And it, it, I mean, it, it, I don't want to reduce it to, you know, uh, too simplistic and say it's always this or it's always that. But um, those are things that you could look at and say your support hand isn't engaging properly or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, that's really kind of the gist of what we came here to discuss today. Uh, Learning where your primary hand first contacts the gun to get a proper grip, memorizing that. And then here's the, here's probably where we can kind of start wrapping this up somewhat, Matthew, is what you would then want to do to, you know, we I just told you the importance of learning these index points and then burning them in. Well, how do you do that? How do you burn them in? Turn them all into micro drills, right? And we've talked about micro drills before. Mm-hmm. And so obviously... In dry fire, I can practice the draw. I can practice going all the way from gripping the gun all the way to target, but I can break that process down into little tiny chunks. And each, and what we can then do is isolate some of those chunks based on those specific contact points on the gun we want to make. So initial contact of the grip. So I can micro drill and just go to that point, like where my primary hand first makes contact. Okay, great. Did I did I get it or not? Okay, if not, okay. Well, let's try again and correct it. Okay, let's go again. All right, that was better. Oh, let's do it again. And you can. And here's what's cool about micro drills like that is if you imagine, let's like let's say you have, let's say you're able to budget ten minutes a day for dry fire practice, right? And if you were just going to practice a whole bunch of draws, well, in ten minutes you can do I don't know how many draws. Uh, you know, just pick a number. Let's just say in 10 minutes, you can do 200 draws. That's a lot, but that's pro- that's a, that's, that's really good practice. Okay. Well, you have whatever time you have, right. That's budgeted for dry fire practice and, you know, doing a draw takes a certain amount of time doing a small chunk of a draw, a small piece of a draw is a lot less time. So I can micro drill way more times than I can do the whole drill, right? And so I can go just to that initial contact point with primary hand on gun and then reset and then go to that point and reset. And I could do that tons of times, like a multiple of, you know, some multiple of times of what I would normally be able to do of just like of the the whole action of say a draw. 
And then once I've, you know, not like you have to spend a whole 10 minute session just doing that one thing. Although, I mean, you certainly may, and certainly you'll start to learn more quickly where the specific contact and index points need to be. But then you could also micro drill from that point or from a, another point, you know, maybe you could start with your whole hand on the gun. Maybe you could start with the gun just at the moment it's clearing the holster or whatever you want to do. You make this up. Okay. But you could then micro drill just getting that initial contact point or index point of support hand where it meets on the gun and do that. You can do that really fast. You can do hundreds of those in a single dry fire session, right? And then you can micro drill from how to get from that initial contact point on the gun to more of a full extension, you know, full grip. And so that's what we're really talking about here is learning what these index points on the gun are for you and then building micro drills based on those index points and then practicing that. And guess what? It will make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I will say do, breaking my draw down to micro drills and working on those um, it was probably the most influential thing or thing that influenced me being able to um, smooth out my draw um, because it, there are many different at, different steps and stages and, and, and things that are going on during your draw. And you might be doing certain parts of it well and other parts not so well. And, and you're not able to, if you're just going through a full rep every time and trying to get a faster draw, you might be maxing out one aspect of it, of, of the efficiency of movement or whatever, but some other part of it is what what's necessary and by going through the whole thing you're missing the one this one thing that would really work and you don't see it until you break it down and work on that individually and then when you kind of reassemble it back together now you know all those pieces are kind of firing and um i think what you what you said breaking it down and then once you have the individual portions of it uh fundamentally or mechanically correct then you can start adding it together and and then start adding speed to it and 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 kind of building it from there but i think the problem is a lot of people will you know they want to get a fast draw so they just draw fast and they just take their initial their their current draw and they just say i gotta go faster and right you and and that's not the proper way because your current draw might not be set up efficiently and so you might be squeezing everything you can out of an inefficient draw. And so um, it's not just about going fast. It's about doing these individual things more efficiently and then putting it together and then adding speed. And I think if you do it that way and and, and you go about it that way, you'll, you'll find that uh, your draw will be more repeatable, more consistent and, and, and naturally be faster. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. Uh, and, and, you know, really as I was thinking about it, like we obviously have to test things under pressure, right? And that's one of the reasons why we speed things up is because that's that's one of the first things we can do to increase pressure and test skills. And ultimately, like the this this mode of practice that we've just mapped out uh, is aligned with philosophies such as like what my buddy Matt Little. Uh, likes to follow. I did a whole episode with him talking about uh, these different, uh, I think we called them different drills, different types of drills. Uh, And by that, we mean there's experimentation 
and there's isolation, and then there's combination drills. And when we're talking about developing certain skills at the level of detail that we are today with respect to these index points, like that's a form, and then building drills around those micro drills, that's a form of isolation drills. You're very much isolating a very, very specific thing, right? There's almost nothing else that you're really working on. It's just that one little tiny, tiny, tiny thing. It's super isolated as far as a drill goes. And then you want to combine that with other drills, and then you want to add pressure to it. In combination, adds its own pressure, but uh, then also just ramping up the speed is also going to add pressure. And pressure is important to test the validity and also the uh, uh, robustness of the skill that you have learned, you know, whether it sticks or not. And so, super, super important. So, I, th- I thought that was an interesting little connection that just popped into my mind as you were talking your way through that and um, thinking about experimentation, which experimentation is sort of the, that first piece of, well, where's my grip on target? And then let me start bringing that back and breaking it down and like experimenting, you know, with maybe different combinations and um, like what, what works best and where do I need to be and finding that and then isolating and then building those micro drills and going from there. Like we, like we talked, I'm going to touch on one final thought, Matthew, and this brings it back again to the concept of safety and just because this is, I think, a good opportunity to mention this, and I want to talk about one more index point. And what that is, is most of this has been focused on how we contact the gun with various index points on the gun, draw and present, present the target, and ultimately shoot it with consistency. But how about going back to the holster and one more index point we can talk about to help us with reholstering and doing it safely is something I, I generally teach in every class that I that I teach. Super, super important. And that, you know, a lot of times, Matthew, we've we've seen this numerous times from shooters where they're going back to the holster and in almost like an effort to find the opening of the holster, they sort of tip the gun outboard or we're really facing inboard, like the muzzles facing inwards towards your body and then kind of swooping the gun into the holster. And that's super dangerous, right? Because you're pointing your gun at yourself as you're trying to find the mouth of the holster. And so the tip that I have shared for years now, once I picked up on this and figured this out, I was like, oh, this is, this is really a really smart thing to do is to keep your thumb of your firing hand because that's obviously the hand script of the gun and you're going to go to the holster and you want to come back to a certain point now whether it's if you're carrying in the front for the hips uh, like appendix style or more on the on the hip itself well that index point might be a little bit different but it's going to be based around your thumbs meaning that for appendix carry i'm going to bring the gun back my thumb is going to touch my belly okay and then i'm going to slide that gun down in the holster while my thumb remains in contact with my, my belly. And then what that does is it makes it so I can't orient the gun outward uh, or with the muzzle pointing inward. And then if I'm going into a three o'clock or on the hips type on the hip type holster, then that index point just could be on the side of my chest instead of my belly. Right. But again, it's, it's my thumb 
of the firing hand, making contact with the side of my chest and then sliding down my body. That way the gun remains parallel to my body. So just thought that this would be a good opportunity to mention that that's another index point that we can rely upon so that we know that we are being safe when we're reholstering. Yeah. Good, good call on that. Yeah. And going back to the holster, coming out of the holster, these are times where a lot of unintended discharges happen. Um, and so if, if there's a big percentage of, of them that happen uh, during those two things, coming out or going back into the holster, um, coming out of the holster, you know, you establish that keeping your finger in that one index point uh, that but a lot of people understand that. But um, but going back to the holster, um, we, we've seen in it, not even necessarily under stress. We've seen, I mean, there's videos I, I'm thinking about many of them, just people messing around or showing somebody their gun. They go back to the holster, their finger slips inside the trigger guard or whatever it might be. And uh, they crank off around and, and um, yep. so, yeah, so that's a, that's an awesome call. Yep. Right on dude. Well, I think that's about all I got on today's topic. How about you, man? I, I think we squeezed uh, every every ounce we could get out of it. Yeah. I hope it's uh, beneficial. One thing I failed to mention is uh, a couple of our other sponsors of Shooter A Challenge are Barrel Block, barrelblock.com. Uh, that is B-A-R-R-E-L-B-L-O-K.com. And also readyupgear.com. And Ready Up Gear specifically is our sponsor um, for providing prizes Actually, so monthly prize is awarded to those of you that are on the Shooter Rate Challenge email newsletter, which really purely exists for notifying people when new Shooter Rate Challenge videos are published on ShooterRateChallenge.com. So thank you to sponsors, uh, again, LaserApp.com today, BarrelBlock with a K.com and also readyupgear.com and make sure you head on over to shootraidchallenge.com for a bunch of dry fire practice inspiration. We've got, I don't know how many now, but uh, a lot. Uh, let's see. Well, there's basically three wide and uh, a whole bunch of stuff. You got to scroll down <laughs> to see all the videos that we've done. Let's see, that's like 12, 24, we're, we're like 30 plus videos, I think, of Shooter Ray Challenge uh, that's published on a monthly basis. So it's like two and a half years worth of dry fire training inspiration. Hope you enjoy that and take advantage of all that content at ShooterRayChallenge.com. And then scroll down to the page there and put in your name and email address. And what we use that for is just to contact you for new videos published and to let you know if you're the lucky winner of a prize courtesy of readyupgear.com. Well, guys, uh, that brings us to a conclusion of today's episode. Thanks for being a part of this one with me, Matthew. Thank you, sir. And guys and gals, until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.